0: the Apollo
1: Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's recap edition of the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris McGeehy. You can find me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehy. And thankfully, I am joined this week by my partner in crime, the man himself, Mr. Apollo Dez. You can find him on Twitter at Apollo Des one Dez, how you doing, brother? I'm good.
0: Um, Are you? Rough. <laughs> yeah, relatively speaking, I'm good. Um, if you're going to lose, lose early. And that's all I can really say about that ass beating we took in Fayetteville. Um, my phone and mentions were a dumpster fire. Um, it was tough. It's been a tough 24 hours, but we uh, survive in advance. That's the name of the game.
1: Look, man, Texas loses. Your Texans win today before we record this, so you know, call it a call it a series split on the weekend. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm not even a Texan fan. Uh, people people know this. I'm a I'm a uh, black sheep. I'm a Cowboy fan.
1: Oh, that's so. Right. I've had a
0: rough. I've had a you, rough sports week.
1: Have going into the weekend was rough. Ugh. The weekend itself was rough. Yes, that's right, man. All it,
0: right, well, uh, it was something. Yeah, rough is probably the the cleanest way I can I can put it right now.
1: So, look, before we talk about UT, there's another game that you know that we have to get to first. And it's the one that I'm sure that everybody's going to be talking about, you know, by the time everybody's listening to this. But we have to talk about number 12, Oregon, going to Columbus and walking away with a win against number three, Ohio State. I mean, I watched the game from start to finish, and I got to tell you, Oregon was just – I mean, they were more physical. They were more dominant. And there, there was no there was no trickery about this win. They fully deserved this win. Did you – I mean, walking away from that game, did you have any overriding feelings about either one of these teams?
0: Yeah, so I thought um, – I put the tweet out early that Ohio State may be on fraud alert. And we saw week one a bit that um, Ohio State, their defense was suspect, right? We, we know – They had the new QB. They still have Garrett Wilson. They still have all of of A. They still have the weapons there. They still got like a three-headed back. Um, But the defense was concerning. And Oregon came in and and played Big Ten football, right? And I think that's the the most wild thing about it all is because the fact that they traveled to an 11 o'clock game uh, not on the West Coast. It was a nine o'clock start with their bodies, you know, on the West Coast time. Yep. And they just went into Columbus and beat that ass. And it was um the score doesn't make it as, you know, it looks a lot closer than what it was. But I think Oregon really didn't break a sweat. And it was cruise control uh early and often. And man, that Oregon offense is back. It's 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 dangerous and it's back. And I think the pack may have a uh, playoff contender.
1: Uh, You know, I'm, I'm with you here. And that's, that's definitely something that I wanted to touch on was the packs playoff chances. And one thing that you touched on right there that I, you know, you talked about Ohio state's defense and really specifically to their defense, their lack of a run defense, I mean yeah. against against Minnesota we saw Muhammad Ibrahim run just all over the Buckeyes before he eventually went down with an injury and Oregon I mean they they looked at that tape and they had to think man you know if if Minnesota could do that we can absolutely do that and they came in and from the time the game started that's exactly what they did is they just they imposed their will and they played more Big 10 football than the Big 10 team did and it was It it definitely, you know, it it improved my opinion of Oregon. I think the jury is still out on Ohio State, at least for me personally. Um, But, I mean, the Pac-12, you mentioned their playoff chances. With some of the other results that that took place this weekend, it really looks like the Pac-12 is now relying on one of two teams. And it looks like it's either going to be Oregon or UCLA, depending on how things play out. And those two teams do have to play each other on October the 23rd, but, you know, we saw, saw Utah go down, we saw USC go down. Um, We, and like I said, we'll touch on those later, but I mean, the PAC 12, they've had their issues getting into the playoffs period. And it looks like once again, it's going to be, you know, one or two teams or bust for them. And so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for them. What do you see as, the pathway forward for Ohio State here?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, to open up, if you're going to lose, lose early. Uh, everything is still out there to for them to win the Big Ten. Obviously, they probably need Iowa to win. They probably need Penn State to win, just to justify and juice up the resume a bit on, on that side of things. Because when you look back at the end and you have a one-loss Ohio State that's a Big Ten champion, and it's probably going to be that loss is to a, a Pac 12 champion is not an ugly loss, right? And so they they still have everything out in front of them. They can still go out and and, and still make the playoff. Obviously, the mark the air the margin of error is now smaller with the loss, but I do feel like their season is out in front of them, but I just don't think they're capable of doing it because the defense has so many question marks. If they give up this many points um in to a Pac-12 team that played Big Ten ball, then they're in trouble. And so, in the short term, though their season's all right there to go get it, and, and Day has to get the troops and, and they get the boys ready for for their next game.
1: I will say this, man, and God forgive me because I know either way I'm about to screw up this man's first name, but I've heard it because I've heard it pronounced both ways, but Mario or Mario Cristobal, the head coach of the Ducks, the man has built a great program. It's it's certainly not the Chip Kelly Ducks that we knew from, you know, almost a decade ago, but this is, I mean, this is a program, man. And I hate to do this, uh, but I'm going to put you on the spot. We didn't talk about this before we sat down to record, but I, it's only been 2 weeks. I don't like drawing conclusions after 2 weeks, but gut feeling, do you believe that Oregon or Ohio State both neither ultimately make the playoffs at the end of the season? between the two yeah yeah do do either one of them make it both of them neither Mm. one of them
0: so you have to think alabama georgia are going to be shoe ins right and then you have the other two spots kind of all up in the air you have oklahoma that is probably going to win the big 12 they run the table because iowa state looked terrible against iowa
1: yeah they absolutely uh, texas
0: did. looked terrible against arkansas both those teams had their full season in front of them and the big 12 is known to eat it's young right and beat up on each other but you give the benefit of the doubt to oklahoma because they're doing it for a decade that they're probably going to be in the spencer yep. rattler that fourth spot is where things get kind of hectic beat like you almost go bcs air because what happens if a one loss oregon and a one loss a but AM doesn't win the win the sec Right. Let's say Alabama is a and only loss of the year, and that's if a survives. We don't know about King's injury. They barely escaped out of the boulder. But yeah. if Alabama is their only loss on the season, and say Oregon trips up somewhere, they lose to a, a Washington, or they lose to um, a UCLA or USC, but they end up winning the pack, a one-loss Oregon and a Pac-12 champion should be in over a one-loss Texas a that's just how it is. But the SSC bias may put AM over a pack 12 champ. We we don't know. It just feels like a b- very BCS type situation playing out this early. Clemson could run the table. Yep. Um, but they still have one loss. And, and Iowa, look, Iowa could fly under the radar and slip in. Yep. Um a, an undefeated Notre Dame. I mean, they're obviously they're independent back independent again this year. So, like if they go undefeated, what happens there? Um I don't know. It, it, right now, I would say Oregon is in. But it's there's so many question marks just because the f- playoff has never had the opportunity to really put the pack in there. But two, how do you weigh the pack compared to a one loss Clemson or a one loss AM or one loss Iowa, Ohio State, Notre Dame? Like, I don't know how they they can justify that. So um, but right now on September 12th, I would probably say Oregon's in
1: okay fair enough now in your explanation there and over the last couple of minutes you've actually touched on both of the teams that were involved in the next game that I want to discuss with you which is number 10 Iowa beating number nine Iowa State I was I was in on that game as well and I have some thoughts about the game but I want to get your opinion first where do you come down on both of those teams? Did, did either one of them improve themselves in your eyes, or was, there, was this Iowa proving that they're a better team than what you thought, or was this Iowa State maybe showing that they're not as good as what the early numbers suggested?
0: Yeah, so it's different because Iowa State, to me, is kind of the black sheep of the Big 12, right? They play fundamentally sound football. They slow it down. They grind out really – ugly wins but a win is a win in this league and to be matched up against Iowa a you know in-state rival um at home college game day there everyone all the eyes of the country are there because it was a, a, a bad slate where I, I mean like there's only one game at probably each kind of hour um they just didn't show up and they didn't show up week one they barely survived Brees Hall, who's supposed to, I think, is one of the best running backs in the country, looked like a freshman out there. He was he was running for his life. He he fumbled. You know, Iowa had a scoop and score. It just he just did things that you know an upperclassman shouldn't do. Purdy, I believe, had three picks. Uh, It just it seemed like Matt Campbell and Iowa State were in over the heads, and Iowa just plays funnily sound baseball. Excuse me, football, and they just don't get in their own way. And if you look up and you're trailing, um, things kind of shut down on you quickly. And, and I would just play big boy football and lean on them. And I would say couldn't answer. So um, was I surprised? Uh, I, I, I was, but I wasn't. And Iowa was should, um, should be getting some more recognition and more talk, I think. Well,
1: you know, I I'm hundred percent with you, but I'm also torn because Okay. So the final score is 27, 17, Iowa. I mean, they really look like they deserve the win throughout much of the game. And yet I keep coming back to the fact that even after Iowa state had, I believe four total turnovers in that game, it was still only a 10 point margin of victory. And I I just think, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you can, you can play the if ands or buds game with, with anything, but if they don't have those four turnovers, if these two teams both play up to their potential, I really question whether or not Iowa is the better team. I definitely think they were better coached in that Correct. game, but in terms of the team itself, I mean, it really seems like Iowa State should have been better. And whether this was just an early season hiccup or whether it's going to be you know, uh, the mark of a future fatal flaw when they go against... You know, fundamentally sound teams remains to be seen, but man, I mean, it was it was ugly for Iowa State all day. It really was.
0: No, I agree. I, mean, I think the big thing, like you said, is that the margin of victory wasn't there with how many turnovers they had, and and I think that's a hundred percent true. But also, I think that that's just not Iowa's game, right? They're not here to to run up the score and do that. They're just going to say, hey, we're going to put up twenty-seven to thirty points. That should be enough. Our defense isn't cause turnovers and and we're gonna we're gonna capitalize when we can and so um looking at their schedule i mean i think all roads for iowa leads to to october 9th and that's the penn state game right you get through penn state you only really have one more top 25 matchup and that's at wisconsin uh at the end of october the wisconsin team
1: that has already shown they are vulnerable of course right
0: so the set the schedule's soft for iowa i mean obviously Penn State and Wisconsin are gonna be good games, but everything else is is out there for the taking for them. And and I think Ohio State needs that. Ohio State needs uh Iowa to have a pretty, pretty damn good, almost perfect record going into the Big Ten championship game. And if they knock them off, that's a great resume builder for them.
1: Yep. Could be the last minute win that they need to sneak into the playoffs. We saw that before in was it 2014, I believe yeah, it was. I believe, yeah.
0: Um, and, and they did enough and when i say if you're gonna lose lose early when you look back people are gonna sit and see 35 28 they're like oh ohio state only lost to probably the pac-12 champion oregon ducks by a touchdown yeah people i it, mean we both know we both watched the game that you know they had a garbage time touchdown they, mm-hmm. they got some stuff at the end but oregon didn't break a sweat but at the end of the season and you look at the resumes
1: yeah, and, and all, all you're going to see is the box score. Correct. And there's always revisionist history that happens. Yes. So I definitely think you're right. I mean, this, I, despite the fact that Ohio state obviously dropped a game that they definitely could have won on any given Saturday. I, this isn't the end of the season for them. There's a lot of teams that you take one loss. Your season is effectively, at least in terms of the playoffs over. But for Ohio State, between being in the conference that they're in and being the program that they are, it's definitely not an end all be all for them. So,
0: yeah, I agree.
1: Des, we uh, we've covered the two what I believe were the two biggest games of the weekend. And we definitely have some some other games that we need to get to. And we're going to do that right on the other side of this break, bud. what's going on everybody welcome back to the road to glory podcast presented by apollo media once again i am one of your hosts chris mcgee you can follow me on twitter at chris b McGehee. and i'm here with my partner and co-host mr apollo des himself you can follow him on twitter at apollo des one and des we uh so, in, in the first segment up there, we went over Oregon-Ohio State and we went over Iowa-Iowa State. We got in our thoughts on that. But this second segment, it's going to be a little painful for you. We uh, we alluded to this earlier. And so, let, let's jump right in, man. Let's let's rip the Band-Aid off and let's talk about Arkansas upsetting your Longhorns, man.
0: Yeah, it sucked. Um, if you looked in my phone um, around – 6:30 p.m. when it was uh 16 nothing, it was bad and they got continually worse throughout the day. When Texas loses, I get a lot of hate, which is fine because I dish it out and I and I love it. But it was bad football uh, for the University of Texas and and Sark. Um, they they got punched in the mouth and, and didn't get up. And Arkansas controlled the line of scrimmages on both sides, offensive and defensive. They ran for 300 yards. They controlled it defensively. They were they rushed, they're rushing three and dropping eight, and they were still getting home. That's a terrible sign. Um Hudson Card looked like a freshman and played like a freshman, missed on you know three or four deep throws that could have been touchdowns and, and swaying momentum the other way or kept Texas in it and they didn't hit. And um, Arkansas just grinded it out and, and shout out Barry Odom. He drank Sarkeesian's uh, milkshake. He he they talked about it. Um, that that three high safety front was going to cause issues and I had some some concerns going into into this game um and it turned out that way and it's 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 tough when a team is dropping eight and rushing three and getting home uh continuously you can't win that way and so we saw the loss it was bad now the worst thing could happen Casey Thompson came in um late into the late into the third into the fourth and, and put up 21 now you have a quarterback controversy so not only did you get your ass beat by your an old rival um you fall out of the top 25 and now you have a quarterback controversy uh going into week three so um not great not great on the Longhorn front Texas isn't back and um the SEC SEC hate um or love I guess from the SEC fans were uh was pretty strong on the old Twitter sphere.
1: Well, look, you know, we talked about earlier, uh, like in, in regards to the Oregon Ohio State game, about how a box score can be kind of misleading. But when you look at uh, the Texas Arkansas box score, uh, you know, final score was, you know, UT 21, Arkansas 40. That really, I mean, it, it's not misleading at all. That's exactly the way that the game played out, it's the way that the final score should have looked like. You talked about what is now going to be the the quarterback controversy very likely. But, I mean, these two teams, if you look at, at the way the game kind of played out, each team only had one turnover. I mean, time of possession is basically as down the middle as you can possibly get. 31 minutes for Arkansas, 29 minutes for UT, and yet the yards disparity. Arkansas puts up almost 500 yards of offense. UT is right there at 250 I mean, it just – it was a very physical, grinded-out Arkansas win. It was – I mean, this is the Arkansas that (laughs) that unfortunately uh, a team like my LSU Tigers are are apt to lose to. I've seen this before. Saw it in 07, and Arkansas always seems to pop up to – I mean, they love playing spoiler. They love knocking off a team that – you know would do wise not to overlook them and yet inevitably do and we saw it again this weekend Arkansas is now 2-0 and and um, I believe that they I could be wrong but I believe that they actually jumped into the the newest rankings and it, it's one of those where yeah, uh, they, yeah they're now
0: twenty
1: four. yep and so you know I let let's let's actually focus on UT here I know they Dropped out of the rankings uh, going into this week, but how do you see the rest of the season playing out for them? You're a huge UT guy. You know this team inside and out better than most people. And you had such a promising week one. You've now had a very deflating week two. Obviously, there's still some games left on the schedule, namely Oklahoma, that are going to be not the easiest. What to you constitutes a successful season for the Longhorns from this point forward.
0: Yeah, I think the whole season's still out in, in front of them, right? They could still drop one or two games in the in the Big 12 and still be in Dallas for the Big 12 championship game. I think you have to play for the Big 12 championship game um, to be a success at Texas. Uh, anything else than that is a complete failure. And the season's still right there for them to take um obviously they do have a cupcake with rice next week and I, shit i don't know rice was beating arkansas at half uh in week 1 and so um the season in, in a nutshell though is kind of um late september into october actually let's just say october is the season because you go to TCU on october 2nd if you can't handle the three high safety of arkansas the three three five or the 3-2 set, whatever, whatever Patterson wants to do that week defensively is yep. going to cause this team problems if you couldn't do it against Arkansas. Hey, maybe this is a, a wake-up wake up call. Hey, we have to come. with have to be more focused during the week. My guys at Inside Texas, they talked about it. Like, hey, Sark was on the boys on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday during practice. They had three really bad practices. and. And they kind of just – everyone just kind of wrote it off like, you know, you're going to have bad practices, obviously translated to a, a terrible game. So when when I look at this schedule, I look at October 2nd and October 9th. You have an opportunity to still control the destiny of your season, but you have to figure out how to beat Patterson and the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth. And then the following week, you're back in Dallas against OU at the Red River game. You can lose every single game for the season, but you have to beat OU. And, and it's it Sark's first year. Charlie could never do it regularly. Tom could never do it regularly. Matt could never do it regularly. Sarkisian has to figure out a way to beat OU because that is your season. Um, because you, there's no way in hell you can drop a game against TCU and OU. And then it's just like everyone in Austin, Texas, everyone in the, in the national media is going to be questioning, was Sark the right guy uh, for the hire at the University of Texas?
1: All right, man. Look, we we've got to move off of this game. But before we do, real quick, let me just get your thoughts on the quarterback controversy. Who, yeah. who do you want to see starting next week? Obviously, you know, you're probably gonna see both of them in action, but who do you want to see run with the ones when when the score is still nil-nil?
0: Yeah, I think Casey Thompson's breaking the breaking the huddle and is, is a starter this upcoming week. Um, he's a guy that sat for three years behind Sam Ellinger. He's putting his time. I'm a big Hudson card guy. I think Hudson Card is gonna be a, a better quarterback after it's all said and done between the two. But uh, when you have, a, you have a kid like Hudson who just looked frazzled, he looked like a, a true freshman on the road, and, and he looked like a deer in the headlights. And then Casey came in garbage time, obviously. Um, Arkansas let everything, you know, underneath happen. Uh, but the legs, he, he decided to run the ball and was doing good things and, and put up 21 points. So um, I think Casey Thompson has to break the huddle and DKR next week against Rice as QB1.
1: All right, man, let's move on to the next one, and let's talk about number 14, USC, getting knocked off by Stanford. This is certainly a book that we've read before. It's a movie that we've watched, and yet it happened again. We've we've talked a couple of times now about misleading box score, and if you were to go on ESPN and look at this box score, you see 42-28, and you think, okay, two touchdowns. <laughs> not horrible, I guess, I, I need the people at home to understand that by almost midway through the fourth quarter, I mean, this score was 42-13. It took, yeah. uh, you know, a, a couple of, there were two scores by USC within the last six minutes of this game to make it look more respectable than it was, but this was a beatdown by Stanford, man. I mean, it was, it was early and it was often, and, you know, Stanford got the lead and basically never looked back. How do you How do you feel? uh, You know what? I I know USC losing should be the story here, but Stanford's one and one How are you feeling about them?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a rivalry game, right? Stanford, Stanford versus USC. We've seen it a a million times and um, you just have to, you have to tip your cap to the, to the Cardinal. I don't think it's, this is a team that will compete for the pack. Um, I think they could play spoiler for sure. I mean, they have um, Tanner McKee. who's a damn good quarterback. Um, so he may successfully keep them in uh, in the Pac-12 pitcher. But last night, like you said, I think the the box score is misleading because with nine minutes to go, it was 42 to 13. Um, but I want to talk about Stanford really just staying resilient. I, I stayed up watching the game. It was like my 17th hour of of watching football. And it was a 21 to 13 game. And then Stanford got a pick six with five minutes to go in the third. And then they rattled off two more touchdowns after that. So it, it, once you blinked in the fourth quarter, it was 42-13. to 13 And to one, take an interception for a house call. But then your next two possessions and come out and have drives, uh, of five plays 55 yards and then 10 plays 67 yards to, to put USC away. That I think that speaks volumes of the Cardinal. And I, you just got to tip the cap to it because they, they played and, and balled out and USC is – once again, stuck in this purgatory, a lot like Texas, of what the hell's going on?
1: You know, I, I really do kind of, whether fairly or unfairly, I, I really do equate USC and Texas a lot of the time between just, you know, the it, they're almost mirror images of each other, you know, one obviously in the South, one on the West Coast. But, you know, you you, you think, okay, they're finally getting back on track. And then USC goes into this game last night at home, as a 17 and a half point favorite
0: and 14 in the country
1: and number 14 in the country. And they were down by almost 30 points late in the game last night. And you just wonder where does this program go from here? You know, it. I don't know, man, it, That, you know, we talked about this, the USC, they're not going to contend for the Pac-12. They can certainly play spoiler, though. They have the talent to do it. Stanford, same thing with them, which is why the Pac seems to, to struggle so often getting into the playoffs is because despite the fact that it looks like there's a front runner in that conference every single year, you have these teams that cannibalize each other just out of pure... I don't want to call it ineptitude on weekends like this, but I mean, if, if you're a, a top ranked team in the nation and you're playing at home, there's no reason to get embarrassed like that. I'm, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to come across as unfair here, but if USC ever wants to truly get back to the elite program that they used to be, these are the kind of games that you have to win and win consistently.
0: Yeah. I think the, uh, I think the, the similarities, like you said, between USC and Texas are, are very stunning. And I think Clay Helton's one foot, you know, one foot foot out the door, and in that seat's really hot. Um, I think he's probably done after this year. And you kind of want to know a hot take that I have?
1: Let's hear it. I'm I always think, down for a hot take. I
0: think Tom Herman is going to be the next head coach at the University of Southern California. Ooh. I think – Tom is doing, you know, his little NFL analyst stint, just kind of get the the stank off of him and, and everything that happened at Texas. Clay Helton leaves. I I just see Tom Herman fitting perfectly in that Texas, University of Texas West Coast. <laughs> like that just, it just seems like that's going to happen. A lot of Texas, uh, his his coaching staff went to USC in the offseason. Um, I just have this weird feeling that he's going to end up there.
1: I mean, hey, we see recycling of coaches all the time. It wouldn't be a surprise to see it. But, you know, that'll be something I'll keep my eye on, you throwing it out there like that. All right, man, we got to keep it moving. I've got one more upset that I want to get to here. This was a late-night game last night, and that was number 21, Utah. The Utes, baby. They traveled to BYU and left there with a nine-point defeat and I mean I, not everybody stayed up to watch this game but this was a game where I mean these two teams super equal you know at least in terms of offensive output and is it fair to say that that the two turnovers by Utah in this difference or I'm sorry that the two turnovers by Utah in this game were the difference maker
0: yeah um I also think the difference maker, and, and I, I touched on it on episode three, that weird things at night in Provo happen. And two, BYU is full of grown men. And true. True. I I I was like, man, this this bet right here, I think BYU is a plus 250 dog. They were a touchdown dog at home. And Uncle Desk sprinkled some, sprinkled some money. We hit big on this BYU game. That's the only reason why I stayed up watching it because I was sweating a – sweating a little victory but it it just felt from the jump it, and kudos to 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 utah for for playing tough in the fourth and making it a one-score game uh late but it just felt like byu was in control and they just played grown man ball and it was it was the hall looked good at quarterback i mean the stat line is at six he was 18 for 30 for 150 and three touchdowns um but those 18 passes he did hit were, were tough throws. Um, the BYU defense stayed on Charlie Brewer, you know, the, the former Baylor quarterback, um, they, BYU controlled the ball. I think they rushed for 230 plus, I think on the ground. Um, they controlled the line of scrimmage. They did good things and they just played grown man football. And at the end of the day, um, weird things happen at night in Provo. And, um, I'll take the win on all my bets. That's for sure.
1: Hey, absolutely, man. Anything that lines the pockets is is a win whether it's your team or not. You know, one of the things that that I look at is how consistently a team scores or how erratic they are at scoring. And I know different things go into that. So it's not an end all be all, but when you look at a team like BYU and they can consistently put up at least a field goal per quarter, you know, a uh, field goal in the first quarter, 13 in the second, another touchdown in the third, another field goal in the fourth, you know, it it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts, but in, in yeah. this case, you know, it's, it's every score adds up. And in a game like this, that's the difference maker when you've got Utah, you know, who can only score, you know, in two out of the four quarters, you know, one, one more touchdown here, a field goal in the third, those could be the difference makers. And I mean, last night, it was all about BYU man. they, you know, they just, they did the thing and you were completely right. They, they, they had a little over 230 yards on the ground uh, averaging, I mean, it was only five yards attempt. Not horrible, not great, but this is the kind of team that, like you said, they play grown man football. And if you are unprepared to deal with it, there's a chance that you are going to lose.
0: For sure, I I agree. And I, before we end the segment, I just there, there's one thing I want to touch on is the teams that were ranked and survived. Um, Because uh, at the end of the day, a win is a win. It doesn't matter if you won by one one point or. Five hundred points. Miami surviving against App State, 25-23. You had Texas A&M surviving, and my mentions were on fire. I posted a photo. A&M was down um, seven to three, and I posted a I posted a screen grab of last year's Alamo Bowl where Texas put up fifty-five points on the uh, on the on the Colorado Fighting Boulder. Buffaloes and it didn't go well because AM ended up winning 10 to 7. Yep. And then Texas lost. And AM fans were were sending me screenshots of AM's win over Arkansas last year. Um, so I got a shout out to the AM fans listening. They uh they they always banter well, but surviving surviving and advancing doesn't matter. Um they had a backup quarterback. So hey, 10 to seven, you take wins and you and you survive. And then Notre Dame surviving 32 29 against Toledo, Jack Cohen, they, I mean. You can say this about He's Texas. A dog. dude. He He's is a, a dude. And you can say this about, I guess, Texas and you could say this about Notre Dame. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback, right? Because that Tyler Buckner kid came in a uh, couple series to I don't because Notre Dame was struggling. Um, but the game on the line Cohen back in takes him down the field, breaks his finger, literally breaks his finger, runs over to the sideline in the in the two-minute off. Just Turn an offense
1: set back in place.
0: Sets it back in place. Goes out the, the next play, hits the tight end on the seam for a touchdown and the game winner, uh, 18 yard pass, and they win and survive in advance 32 to 29. So um, Notre Dame, A and Miami doing what needs to be done to win those close ball games because at the end of the day, it's a it's a win in the win column. All
1: right, man. We all right. So we've touched on just about everything now. We've got. One more segment coming up where we're gonna get to the the new top twenty-five and uh, kind of take just a brief look ahead before uh, before we you know look you do our actual preview pod on Friday.
0: Uh, so that's gonna be coming up right after this, guys.
1: Welcome back, everybody! One last time to the Road to Glory podcast, presented by the indelible Apollo Media. I'm your host, Chris McGeehee. Find me on Twitter at Chris B. McGehee. And you can find my co-host, who is here with me right now, providing excellent analysis on the games that we watched last night, Mr. Apollo Dez. Find him on Twitter at Apollo Des one Dez, I know that we said here in in this final segment that we wanted to talk about the new AP top 25. But before we do that, man, can I, can I please talk to you about one more game that took place last night? And that yeah, was absolutely we've got, we've got to talk about the Jacksonville state Gamecocks walking off the Florida state Seminoles. I, Does
0: it not get better than a walk off Hail Mary,
1: especially by a team that has no business winning the game. I mean, FSU came into this game as a 27-and-a-half point favorite. They're at home. They're being hyped up after the fight that they put up against Notre Dame last week and just lay an absolute dud against Jacksonville State. And, I mean, a 59-yard walk-off where, you know, uh damon phil Yall johnson he, he fires the pass up Receiver Zarek cooper pulls it in has two defenders to beat gives him the little the little, little shimmy right that, yeah the little shimmy to the left he's headed for the end zone he gets one block thrown his way and I, I don't know i'm sure you've seen the replay as many times as i have now but man the the florida state player as soon as he gets blocked he just throws his hands up because he knows Oh, as, yeah. does, as does everybody in that stadium, because it went dead silent. And man, that was, that
0: was fun to watch. It, the crazy thing, right. Is how in the world do you not play cover deep on that? They played like straight man across the board with no safety help. One-on-one ball, perfect throw guy went up and got it. And then the backside of that play reminded me of like a, a block punts or like a kick six where, you just had more athletes on one on one side than the other because the receiver, the other receivers were blocking. You know he zigzags past a couple of DBs and then it was across the field touchdown house call walk off. It just it, it, I think it was probably one of the worst defensive calls I've ever seen in my entire life. I think that offensive coordinator should be probably be fired for that. And now you have Florida State zero two. And like you said, they had just had the historic comeback game against Notre Dame. They lost in overtime. A loss is a loss. And then you had this game. And I think me and you both felt that they it's probably a letdown spot, right? You had all the hype. It was a you know a Monday game, holiday, nope. the only game on, but a letdown into not covering, not a flat out, not a flat out losing to Jacksonville State.
1: Exactly. This was the kind of game that you you come in and you think, okay, Florida State walks away you know, 177, 1710, yeah. And you're like, Oh, kind of a bummer. And you know what? I I'll fully admit there's egg at least on my face, but I believe on both of our faces, because if, if I'm not, if I'm not remembering incorrect incorrectly here, when we did our, our week one recap, we got on here and we talked about how this could potentially be a program defining turn for florida state and i want to avoid hyperbole here but you know you see a game like that against notre dame and you think okay florida state is finally starting to get their shit together and then they come out here a week later and of course you know you could argue that they're on less rest than jacksonville state but there's absolutely no excuse for this Florida state team. None. You
0: can't, you can't let that happen. You can't let a walk off Hail Mary happen um, at home, at home. You just can't do it. No hundred percent can't do it.
1: I mean, you know, you're, you're in a stadium with, uh, you know, the reported attendance there was, uh, you know, 60,000 people, but still, I mean, you've got 60,000 fans there just, I mean, they're showing up to drink beer, have a good time and watch you trounce an opponent that has no business being there. And now everybody's got to sober up on the way home because you just let everybody down, you know? Okay. Yeah. I, I know we're ragging on Florida state. This is probably too much. So what do you say? We, we just move on to the top 25 and just kind of take a look. Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. So we're going to, like I mentioned before, we're going to really get into this uh, during our preview pod, which will be out on Friday, but real quick after this weekend's games, uh, updated rankings we've got Alabama Georgia those remain in your top two Oklahoma moves up a spot to third after the Ohio State loss the big mover here this weekend is Oregon jumping from 12th to fourth after beating Ohio State like we talked about earlier and right behind them is Iowa rounding out the top five after they beat Iowa State that is uh, Iowa's second win this season against a ranked opponent. So, of those top five—Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Iowa—any overriding thoughts about the top five there?
0: No, I think it's it's you gotta. Is, it, is it right? Have, yeah, I think it is. Um, I I think maybe a a, a overreaction with Oregon screaming all the way up, but if you have Ohio State three. Um, then it's, it's a respectable move. I don't think Ohio State um, – I think they will be a multi-loss team this year just because that defense has so many question marks. But right now, with what has been laid out, yeah, I think it, I think it that top five looks correct.
1: Okay. Uh, Six, we have Clemson, currently one-and-one one this season. Um, they are your top-ranked team with a loss, and they're sitting one spot ahead of A&M – uh, in seventh, who's currently two and zero, oh, and despite the fact that Clemson is one and one, it almost still feels proper to have them ranked above A and M after the performance that A and M had yesterday. Yeah.
0: Yes. Or would, you, or
1: would you disagree and say that until A and M loses?
0: That well, that's should... that's the paradox within the, the the riddle, right? Like the the way they weighed all this and everything like that. I as a one lost Clemson on a neutral field beating Texas A and M. I don't know. Texas' A's defense is damn good. Um, this early, Clemson's only losses to number two Georgia, yep. right? So I, I have no problem with six seven being what it is. If it was flip flop the other way, I would still have no problem.
1: Okay, that's fair. All right, man, so that's that's your six and seven. And to round out the top ten, we've got Cincinnati at two and zero, Ohio State one and one, Penn State at two and zero which is, you know, it, it's setting up that Ohio State-Penn State matchup later on this season to to look fairly good as far as the voters go. You know, it, if both of these con- teams continue to win until then, you know, we'll get a nice ranked matchup there. And obviously the winner will have another quality win on their resume, at least by rankings. Uh, 11 through 15, we've got Florida. We've got Notre Dame, who actually dropped four spots after – two straight weeks of what I would consider to be subpar performances. I mean, they, they've had two unranked opponents so far, and they've won by a combined six points. It was, it was a field goal game against each team that they played. So that four spot drop does seem kind of, kind of justified. I don't know if you agree, but you know, if you, if you're not producing the results, you know, there you can slide down the rankings whether you continue to win or not.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's 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 tough to see it. Like when you're two and zero and you're sliding, uh, but you don't want to slide. Are, you, you don't. You, you, you don't play better. Play better.
1: All right, man. So we've got UCLA, who's now two and zero at number thirteen. Iowa State at fourteen after their loss, they slide five spots down. Right underneath them at 15 is Virginia Tech. They're up four spots, and then we have what is got to be everybody's favorite top 25 darling. We've got Coastal Carolina at number 16, uh, Ole Miss at 17 after another win. They're 2 and 0, and you know both of their wins have looked pretty convincing. Although their competition hasn't exactly ratcheted up yet, it'll be interesting to see where Ole Miss comes down. You know against you know Alabama's and your AMs and dare I say, your LSUs of the world? No, I, I don't want to go there. Uh, Wisconsin at number 18, uh, Arizona State at 19, Arkansas at 20, going from unranked to 20th after beating your Longhorns. North Carolina at 21, Auburn at 22, 23's is BYU, jumping into the rankings after knocking off the Utes. Miami slides down to number 24, and to round out the top 25, there they are. The bad boys of the Big Ten, the Michigan Wolverines. So of, of those teams, 15 through 25, Virginia Tech through Michigan, you feeling strongly one way or another about any of them? Are any of them frauds? Are any of them destined to have a surprise season? What's your take here?
0: Yeah, I think I think Ole Miss is if they stay healthy, is gonna be pretty damn uh, pretty damn good this year. I think with their defensive coordinator with, with Durkin and he went over to Iowa state to, to learn that, that three down front. Um, I think they use that well the other night. I think they, they could be a team, uh, coastal struggle against Kansas. I think they're, uh, that's a little inflated. Um, they pulled away late, but still Kansas really stayed in it most of the time. And, um, Arizona State and, and the Fighting Herm Edwards are, are looking good and well-coached up. They could be a team in the pack that we haven't even talked about in this episode that um, couldn't make a serious run. Uh, Auburn. Auburn's put up, I think, a billion points in the last two weeks, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they have, I think they have Penn State this week. Um, so, we'll, we could see that the test of that. Obviously, that's a it's a huge non-conference matchup. Yep. It'll uh, be a nice measure two, in the
1: state for both.
0: For two top 25 teams. And yep. so – the other ones, BYU, Miami, Michigan, BYU's past 30-year-olds, Miami survived, and, and Michigan, uh, I mean, Harbaugh, everyone's been asking about Harbaugh if, if this is the year, right? It's felt like they've been asking for a decade. So is this the year? Well, I'll ask it again.
1: I, You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and, and pull off of history. I'm going to say this is probably not the year. <laughs> but there is a question that I want to bounce back your way. I know we're still very early in the season. But I got to ask, man, what does Cincinnati have to do to legitimately get a look for the playoffs here? I mean, is it is there anything that they can do? Are they just destined to always are, are they going to be the Boise State of the BCS era or, you know, UCF from a few years ago? They're they're winning. They've been winning. And yet they they're consistently hovering around like that seven to nine slot, you know, top 10, but never quite in the mix for one of the top four teams in the nation. Is there anything that they can do this season to, to solidify themselves as a playoff team?
0: They need chaos. I think they need a lot of one loss or two loss teams in front of them. They got to go perfect.
1: I mean, they're, they're playing Notre Dame in a couple of weeks on October the 2nd. Uh, But I mean, other than that, their schedule is it's not great, but would an undefeated season combined with a win against Notre Dame is it enough to get them close, or would they still need chaos at that point?
0: I think they would need Notre Dame to only lose one game on the season, and that would be the to loss of Cincinnati. Okay. And then I think Cincinnati's win has to be like double digits. All right, double man. a double digit a double digit win on their own in front of touchdown Jesus and then Notre Dame being perfect for the rest of the year, I think would get them in just resume wise.
1: All right. Well, I honestly.
0: But the odds but, of that happening are what?
1: 10%. I mean, I'm with you. I'm hundred percent with you, but God, I root for chaos every year and every year it's Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state. And I'm so sick and tired of it. And I, I know, I know that, if, if Cincinnati shows up to the playoffs and they have to play one seed at Alabama as the four seed, they're going to get wrecked. But God, I just want to see some different teams in there, man. So I'll tell you right now that that is exactly what I'm rooting for.
0: That's I just, fair. I, 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 I want to see,
1: I want to see Alabama stumble into like, three horrible losses Ohio State's already got a loss get them another one get Clemson another loss I just want four fresh teams in there and just make it fun as hell it'll never happen but that's a podcast for another time and it is time for you and I Des to get the hell out of here because we have some studying to do for these games this upcoming weekend man how's that sound
0: absolutely bro another great episode another great time even though it was not a week of cupcakes for me. It was a well, week of terror.
1: Look, man, my, my team played McNeese State, and yet I felt worse about that game than I did the UCLA game. Okay. So <laughs> I have zero hopes going forward this season. I'm completely out on my own team. Uh, and yet I'll tune into every game. So absolutely. I, you can't that, quit. I, dude, I, we're masochists. So it is what it is. All right, Des, we're getting out of here. You guys can follow Des on twitter at apollo des one you can follow me on twitter at chris b McGee-hee. uh probably a bad move on your end for both of us but we ask that you do it anyways follow the main account at road to glory pod follow uh apollo houston des how do you want me to pronounce it? is it is it are we calling it apollo hugh or apollo okay, houston no, i'm
0: just apollo media that's the the handle apollo h-o-u that that, that's fair that's fair follow apollo
1: media at apollo h-o-u that is you know the main account It's where we get content we got content coming from the road to glory pod be on the lookout for new pods every monday and friday des and i are enjoying doing this and i apologize for sounding the way i do i've been sick but still trying to bring you content so des man i will talk to you on friday this has been another fun one man
0: absolutely bro thanks for having me and uh Let's get, get let's get going for the next week. Absolutely man. Talk
1: to you guys later.